Hi, everybody. Thank you for welcoming us into your homes. We're in the middle of a series that we've entitled Made for Mondays. And we've been talking about this idea that while some people live for the weekend, as followers of Jesus, we are made for Mondays. Let's recap some of the things that we've been learning. We've discovered that work is God's good idea. And while work can't provide self-fulfillment or identity, because these come from Jesus, it can be God's way of continuing his good work in creation. God is creator, redeemer, sustainer, and he tends to use us, even in the workplace, to continue his good work. We've also learned that the way we work reflects God's image. We bring order out of chaos. We serve creation. We love creation. And we worship through our work. Today, I want to talk about problems at work. I think that all of us have experienced challenges and problems at the work. I'm, I'm sure you've run into them. You've worked on a project only to have it canceled at the last minute. Perhaps run into a personality conflict with a colleague. In fact, what we discover at work at, work at many times is that people's gifts and talents run far ahead of their character. And it's often those character problems that, that create chaos at work and make it very difficult to, uh, to be involved in productive and fruitful work situations. And, well, maybe you've had some of those encounters recently, or perhaps you've been laid off unexpectedly. I think everybody has experienced problems at work. Work can be frustrating. And so that while we are made for Mondays, Mondays can often not go that well. And, and maybe that's what you've been thinking through this series. Yeah, yeah, uh, Pastor, you may say that, but uh, you haven't worked where I have to work because uh, I may be made for Mondays, but Mondays are tough in the environment where I work. Well, let's look what the Bible says about it. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, and then jump ahead to Genesis chapter 3, 17 to 19. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now we know the story. Satan tempts Eve. You will not surely die, he says. You, you will be like God, knowing good from evil. That's in chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. And she ate and gave some of the fruit to her husband. And it says that their eyes were opened. They realized that they were naked, and they made coverings for themselves. And then they proceeded to hide from God, this God that they had had fellowship with and who they used to walk in the garden with and, and have a relationship they were hiding. And, and when confronted by God, Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked. And the Lord responds, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree? And the man said, well, it was the woman you put here with me. It was her fault. And then the woman said, she deflected and said, well, actually, the Satan deceived me. The serpent deceived me. Then we skip ahead to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. 
It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food, until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Let's pray. So, Father, I pray that you would help us in our work environments. You've called us to uh, be your people, to represent you well. You have uh, enabled us to serve in various capacities and various areas in, in creation. But Lord, we recognize that uh, many times we run into struggles and fruitlessness in our work situation. Help us to understand and help us to continue to be your presence in our work situations, even when times are difficult, when, when the going gets tough. In your name we pray. Amen. So the original sin caused problems in the garden. Notice that it's problems at work and problems as well with the workers. Adam and Eve developed a serious case of moral schizophrenia. They knew something was wrong after they ate the forbidden fruit, but they wouldn't acknowledge what it was. Instead, they simply hid from God because of their nakedness. When you think about it, why would they do that? It doesn't really make any sense. They were husband and wife. They were naked. So what? Who cares? Why would they hide from God because of their nakedness? Well, this is an indication of their shame. And, and this is the first indication that we have that, that sin, that eating the forbidden fruit brought shame into their eyes. They were ashamed. They felt vulnerable and disconnected from God the reason for their hiding from him. You see, sin always distorts our view of self, our view of who we are. It messes up who we think we are, and we forget that we have been created in the image of God to serve him. Now, what was in that fruit that they ate? <laughs> well, Probably nothing poisonous or magical like in the story of uh, Snow White. or it, it wasn't like the poison apple where they ate it and there was something in the fruit. There's probably nothing particularly different about this fruit. It was a test. God was basically saying, do you love me and trust me enough to obey my word, even if you don't understand it? This, in fact, is the essence of the whole Old Testament law repeated by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 30, just before they went into the promised land. Here it is. Here's the law. Obey it and be blessed. You don't have to understand it. You don't need to debate it. This is it. Do you trust me? Disobey it, and you'll suffer the consequences. So there's a big problem with the workers in the garden. Uh, they're messed up. Adam and Eve are messed up after they eat the forbidden fruit. They think they can know good from evil independently without the Lord. Oh, that's a dangerous position to take. And of course, pride is involved. Perhaps, perhaps pride is, is in the beginning, the originator of the original sin. Uh, there's a saying that pride comes before the fall, and, and this is certainly true in this case. It was pride before the fall of humankind, perhaps the precursor of all sin. And of course, humility is the antidote. You want to stay right with the Lord? You want to stay right in your workplace? Humility. And there's actually, I've discovered two sources of humility. You can get it the easy way, or you can get it the hard way. <laughs> the easy way is to humble yourself. The hard way is for the Lord to humble you and 
it's much better, much preferred to humble ourselves and therefore not need the Lord to have to humble us. But pride is dangerous, and pride is something that we have to er eradicate from our lives, be very careful of, because it's, it is the precursor to so much of the problems and the destruction and the hazards of uh, the workplace. But there's also a problem with work. Uh, not only are the workers messed up, there are thorns and thistles in the workplace. Uh, we might say it's frequent, fruitful, fruitlessness. The Lord says, cursed is the ground, painful toil will be needed by the sweat of your brow. That's in chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Humankind are messed up, and work is messed up. Romans 8, verse 22 says that we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Messed up people living in a messed up world. But don't despair. All is not lost. There's good news. Jesus doesn't just save souls. He's the Savior of the world. His intent is to push back the darkness with the children of the light. You see, if Jesus only saves souls, if Jesus only came to die on the cross so that internally, in our heart of hearts, we could be changed, that we could be redeemed, I think our God is too small. Jesus also saves marriages. And Jesus saves job sites. And Jesus saves businesses. Jesus saves schools. And Jesus even saves churches. <laughs> At Christmas time, we sing, No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. You see that uh, Christmas carol is, is referring not to uh, some distant future heavenly kingdom, but to hear it now. Jesus has come to redeem not only us individually, personally, our souls, but he's also come to redeem our workplaces, to redeem our job sites, to redeem our schools, whatever place that we may find we are making our occupation and making our living. You see, miracles are a sign of a new kingdom coming. In the New Testament, when Jesus did miracles, or Paul or the other apostles, miracles took place as a sign of this new kingdom coming, but not some distant future kingdom, this kingdom that was coming now. And not just in the hearts of humankind, but in all of creation. He changes hearts, and he changes world systems. He changes cultures. He changes workplaces. He begins in hearts, but his spirit and his power and his redeeming nature flows out, radiates outward. It shouldn't surprise us to find thorns and thistles at work. Creation is messed up, but Jesus is the answer. His redeeming purposes through us are at work in our job sites. Sometimes he removes them. Sometimes he gives grace to overcome them. But we were all made for Monday. So when you run into problems at work, people problems or work problems, know that God is also at work. His salvation plan is to save both people and work environments. May he do his good work through us. If you'd like prayer regarding your work, or if you'd like prayer for 
your heart, your soul, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you and help you introduce you to the miracle-working, job-site-saving, personal redeem, personally redeeming Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are involved, not only internally in our lives, but you're involved in our workplaces. Thank you, Lord, that, that your, your work is a redeeming work, that, that not only are you interested in individuals, you're interested in our workplace. You're interested not only in the people of our workplace, you're in, interested in our work itself. Help us, Lord, as, as you work through us, as, as you give us grace to be involved in a, in a saving way, in a, in a way that redeems, in a way that lifts up, a way that builds up in, in, the, in the midst of our environments. Lord, I, I pray for those right now who are going through a particularly tough time in the workplace. It could be personality issues, or it could be just jobs that are, that are just grinding away and that don't seem to be making any, any progress. Lord, I pray for them. I pray your grace would be in their lives. I pray that you would give them insights and creativity and energy and strength to be able to push through the boundaries and, and bring your light into uh, dark places. We pray this, Lord, because we know you love us, and we know that it's in your nature to redeem, and it's in your nature to save. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Here's a question of the day that we'd like you to contemplate for the next minute or so. Uh, can you expand your prayer life to include places of work and not just the people at work? Would you consider that for a moment? I'll come back then with a concluding comment. In John chapter 6, after feeding the 5,000, crowds were following Jesus. And Jesus kind of responds to the crowds and says, you're following me because you ate the loaves and fishes and had your fill. He then says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. What did he mean, do not work for food that spoils? Does he mean quit your day job? Work isn't important anymore? <laughs> uh, that's not what he meant. He meant that we should work to eat the bread of life, the, the food that really brings eternal life. And of course, he is the bread of life. He's a, it's an invitation to partake of him, Jesus, because Jesus changes everything. When we partake of him, when we, when we receive him, when we bring him into our lives, he changes everything. And this is not a, a once-for-all kind of a meal. This is not, you know, uh, pray a prayer of salvation and, and then you're good to go forever and ever. This is, uh, we need to continue to receive him, continue to bring him into our lives because he offers himself to us. And, and it's not our work that does it, but it's his provision that brings himself to us. So in our workplaces, as we sit at our desks, or perhaps we're, we're on the, in the field doing some work, or perhaps we're driving, uh, we need to remember to partake of Jesus. Jesus, be with us in the midst of our work, in the midst of the job site, in the midst of wherever we may be. Our doxology is, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.